But where are you really from? But where are you really from? All right, hey everyone. I'm Angela Lin, and I'm Jesse Lin, and welcome back to another episode of But Where Are You Really From? This week, we're going to take another journey back into the fun, fun, mind-opening world of substance usage. <laughs> um, we both recently watched Nine Perfect Strangers, and I don't know if you guys have watched it, but the series, it's kind of like a slow burn, right? Like, you're kind of confused as to what's happening at first, and it gets, like, really, really crazy really yeah. quickly. And there are, like, many things in it where you're, where based off of my personal experiences, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's it. But then there are, like, many other things where I'm like, I don't think that's how it works, like, exactly. So we thought we would just have another exploration into our own experiences and, like, what seems true versus, like, not really reality from from the series and kind of, like, end with a little bit of insight or digging into, like, why substances are still so maligned sometimes and, like, why only certain people seem to have access to them. Yes, and before we get into all that, I think it's important to go through, like, a plot synopsis type situation because many people may have heard of it in, like, the title, but you probably don't know what it is unless you watched it. So it's a Hulu show, and it stars Nicole Kidman Mm. and, like, a shit ton of big actors, Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy, whatever that guy's name, who's from, like, Boardwalk Empire and, like, all these huge, the tall guy who plays a football, ex-football player. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, like, super famous. And then, anyways, there's, like, a shit ton of famous mm-hmm. people in it. Um, so you're like, okay, a- A-list cast must be something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember I watched the preview, and I was like, what is this? Because it's, like, Nicole Kidman walks in, oh, all, yeah. like, mysterious. hippie, mysterious, yeah. hippie, beautiful goddess. And she's like, I'm here to cure you. I'm like, what is this? It's about drugs, for <laughs> sure. Um, and basically, it's, like, this really fancy luxurious retreat spa retreat thing yes but no one really knows what they've signed up for Mm. and like spoiler alert essentially they get like kind of um unknowingly dosed with mushrooms um psilocybin and i think other things later on as well uh but basically yeah it's this kind of like it's a little kooky, the show. It is a little strange. Um, and it got a lot of things wrong. Like, I think I'm just diving right in from the plot synopsis onward. But I read a bunch of... I mean, I was fascinated because I obviously I did some of these retreats. Mm-hmm. And not to the same level of, like, uh, extravagance as they had oh, no. on the show. That yeah. was kind of crazy just for rich people kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, so I was curious if to, it, to see if they would, like, get it kind of right. And... Mm. It's not. Uh, A lot of people, like, other psychiatrists and, like, people who use psilocybin for, like, real, you know, medicinal and, like, therapeutic purposes Mm -hmm. wrote up a bunch of articles afterwards. And they're like, you know, I mean, I guess it's good that they're, they did show some, like, positive benefit to using the medicine to go, like, process trauma and, Mm -hmm. like, past bullshit. But... They're like, number one rule if you were actually like a practicing facilitator is that you would never, without the person's consent, give them this medicine. So that was like the first big no-no. And also like, there's a part where 
she partakes in in the substances with the people that she's supposed to be leading them on the journey on and she's like i'm so i'm so committed to you guys to make this work that i want to do it with you and i was like no like (laughs) that's the worst thing that you could possibly do like like i think there are some general rules regarding um harm reduction when you're doing substances it's like always do less than you think you Mm -hmm. should do because you can always do more Mm And you should always try new things for the first time in, like, a really safe environment with a babysitter that's not doing the same thing. And so it's, like, rules number one and two (laughs) are, like, completely shattered as you you go through the series. But, yeah, it does get, like, pretty, pretty nutso. Yes. Yeah. Well, and uh, let's back it up a little bit because we did have a – we've had a previous episode where we've talked about our – respective experiences with substances and we've used them for different purposes and Mm -hmm. we'll get into that um but for those who aren't aware because it is like some people are like becoming more familiar other people still kind of don't know too much about the prop like potential of psychedelic Mm -hmm. medicines Mm -hmm. um so there's definitely like party potential which we can discuss and then there's also like therapeutic purposes and it's becoming it's legal in some states states and like counties Mm -hmm. um for example it's legal in oakland in the bay area Mm -hmm. um where my practicing person is based (laughs) out of um and it's it's been shown to have like actual proven benefit on trauma things like ptsd Mm -hmm. like depression you know really hard things to get through that like usually would require a lot of years of therapy or like being on big pharma drugs for a long time you Mm. know things you don't really want um and so from like that respect i'm happy that this show exists because even though it was like kind of out there and like painted some things in a negative light they did show like there is real benefit that can be had here yeah i think that's a really good point because when and then we've talked about this before like growing up how substances are positioned in like a you know your normal education is that they're dangerous you don't want to do them and that's always like it's a whole it's the whole idea behind like teaching abstinence only as a way as a way for to not have as a way of birth control it's like it's just not effective like eventually people will figure like be in the situation where they have to make the choice of whether or not to do the substance and it's better that they understand what are the rules to doing something safely rather than to not understand what to do at all when they're when they're in in that particular situation so yeah it does it is really great to showcase it in a light other than it's like just something dangerous or like you shouldn't ever do it and and it's interesting because uh, many of the characters have that reaction at first when they find out that she's dosing them yeah they're like we don't want to do this like we don't do drugs like this is not us and then i think as they reflect on their journey so far with the substance they decide they opt in they make the step to say like okay i'm going to continue this treatment yeah and i will offer like I think one of the big reasons that those characters did eventually opt in and that people in real life opt into mm-hmm. these kinds of things is that if you've ever experienced it in some way, you know that like one of the biggest kind of benefits it, in the moment is that it like 
reduces your inhibitions of you're like not so concerned about you know how you look what other people think about you like Mm -hmm. all the like past grudges that you've had all this kind of baggage that weighs us down on like a daily basis that kind of dissipates when you're on these types of medicines because Mm. it really just allows you to well you know for depending on what your environment is and how you're using it for if it's for some sort of like therapeutic purpose it is like it takes you so inward that you're just like connecting deeply with what your true thoughts and beliefs are um not hindered by like this the surface level bullshit that we tend to grasp onto tightly on like a daily basis yeah and i will say like i from my experience how it how it plays out for me is like when i'm on certain things it makes me so present and like it's not just that sometimes you're um you're thinking about like what other people, how other people might perceive you. But even, even sometimes I've noticed in therapy and stuff, like I'm not even aware, you're not even aware you're holding back. Like you're holding yourself back and you don't know it. And, but what I've noticed is when you're so hyper present on some of these substances, when you do that, it creates just like a little bit of dissonance but you're so aware of what's yeah. happening in your body and your feeling in your mind that you you can immediately like, oh wait something feels a little off mm-hmm. and then you can pick up on what that is like much more quickly with much more clarity than than you normally are with all of your like thinking about your schedule and what people da 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 and all that stuff so yeah i definitely agree like it that that power to ground you in the presence helps you really notice your own positive and negative emotions much more effectively yes it's also something i'm like i'm often jealous of that i can't like figure out off the substances you know like just in like Mm -hmm. daily life right because we are then so obsessed with like i'm obsessed with like being right in this argument that i'm having versus like peeling that back (laughs) that pride back and like being like why am i actually mad right now is this like hitting a chord of some past like you know, thing that happened to me that I'm carrying into this conversation. And I think it's, it's also like, it's hard to, there was a moment the other day where I just had like, uh, like I was having a good day and then like I started doing, I started working out and then I just started to feel like really down. Mm. And it's even really hard sometimes to explain what that actually is, right? You're feeling down, but is it, just you're sad is it anguish is it desperation is it depression like and it's so hard to consciously feel into what that is because naturally it's something you want to shy away from right because it's such a negative feeling you're like i don't really want to explore this much further and i think that's what it makes it what makes it really hard to do and i really had to like sit there and be like oh god this sucks like what is it what is it what is it this like which of these words is it that i'm feeling (laughs) yeah um and it, it's it's hard work, yeah. yeah. Um, we've both received clear benefit from having tried different substances, um, and I think something that we wanted to talk about was why we feel like the perception around drugs, this catch-all word of drugs, mm-hmm. 
um, is so negative in today's society or has been for decades, right? Um, when number one, that word just like is so far reaching, it like encompasses so many very different types of substances that Mm. it's kind of not fair to attach this like clearly negative associated word with every single thing that has some effect on your brain, on your body, on your whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's number one. It's like it's all miscategorized to begin with. I think there should be like a different word that is um, associated with things that are like quote unquote bad versus things that have actual like potential benefit. So for example, I think, you know, when we were growing up, obviously marijuana had like a different reputation back then Mm. and was being villainized. And it's, you know, now times are changing. People are seeing the benefit of that. But that was one of like the main like bad drugs back in the day. Um, but the things that persist that are like clearly bad for people are like drinking, smoking, alcohol, yeah, tobacco, heroin, you know, there's like real bad drugs, I would say. No, it's not legal though. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not just, talking I'm about legal, legal stuff. stuff. Okay. okay. How, well, you want to talk about legal okay. stuff. I just finished the series, Dope, um, Dope Sick. Also a Hulu Oxy's original. Oxy's like, yeah. Oxycontin is a fucking, you know, murder, murder drug. Yeah. Um, And that's legal, you know, but I'm not talking about legal. I'm just talking about like anything that can be called a drug. Right. And there's like clearly seriously bad shit. Mm -hmm. And then it's like you're going to throw in like drugs that have been proven to cure PTSD and Mm -hmm. trauma, big and small in the same like category. I just think that's like unfair to have the same name attached to it. Yeah, I I do. I agree with you. And I think that the way that the way that scheduling, so the different schedules of drugs works is so antiquated and it doesn't really make sense. And the foundation of it is kind of like flawed because and uh, y'all can fact check me on this, but (laughs) I kind of understood like this whole war on drugs thing came out of like um, in the 1960s, it came out of the federal government's push to try to ostracize the whole like hippie youth movement because they were pushing back against what the federal government was doing abroad militarily. And so at the root of it, the whole scheduling and um, legalization of drugs to begin with was never about protecting people from anything. It was like a political agenda. So then you have this system that's built on that and people just keep adding to it. So it's like, a fiction that eventually evolved itself into like a hard fact and of course like because people are thinking about it that way it becomes a case where people are like oh it's all just drugs yeah and it's all just bad yeah well yeah. you tell a lie enough times it sounds like yeah, the truth. yeah exactly right? yeah 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 i totally agree the government thing and like corruption and um hidden agendas is such a big piece of like how the drug industry is currently working. I swear to God, Hulu is like upping their game so hard with all these <laughs> shows, but Dope Sick was incredible. Highly recommend. I still have to watch it. I will. It's so fucking good. But um, that, that's a, you know, look into Big Pharma and yeah. Oxycontin. And it's just like government in bed with Big Pharma. You know, there's so many 
reasons why the drugs the legal drugs that exist today are what they are and mm. a lot of times it just has to do with like who's going to make the most money of and course. who's giving kickbacks to you know government or yeah. former government officials yeah. who have power right yeah. as opposed to like what's actually beneficial for people yeah. um so that's just like it's so sad that that's the case yeah and the rub of it is that like because these because many of the substances that we've talked about in the past are on the most restrictive schedule, you can even use it for research purposes to prove that they have benefits for people. Hey everyone, we love doing this podcast. And if you enjoy our episodes, we would really appreciate if you could support us in any number of ways. First is by subscribing to us, rating us, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Second is by telling a friend. Third is following us on Instagram at where are you from pod. Fourth is supporting us on buy me a coffee. You can find out more about all of these by visiting our Instagram's link in bio. And again, our handle is at where are you from pod. Thank you. Talking about kind of like this unfair classification and then it's accessibility or Mm -hmm. lack thereof to people in general and specifically communities. I mean, certainly we're not historians, but we we've come across some things here and there about the history of drugs and how they've evolved. And I think one thing that bothers me is, um, you know, through watching like certain documentaries and whatnot, the drug war on drugs like kind of evolved into also making it different depending on which class of people you are of course like what access to drugs you have and Mm. then thereby what punishment you Mm -hmm. would get yeah um and so one of the things that like always stuck out to me was the difference between cocaine and crack Mm -hmm. and i read it was part of um a book i read right after the george floyd incident it was called uh it's called biased i think mm-hmm. um but anyways written by a a professor of psychology and she was like oh yeah well the cocaine versus crack thing was essentially it's just like oh give all the crack to the poor black communities Mm -hmm. and give cocaine to the white communities Mm -hmm. and give cocaine this like slap on the wrist punishment but give crack users a like jail for life type of punishment Mm -hmm. even though they are at the core the same substance it's essentially ones like more refined i guess right so they it costs more so cocaine versus like the cheaper version for poorer people Yeah. yeah Yeah, no, it it is. And even when you're talking about the same substance, like depending on your race and your social class economically, you can get very different punishments. Mm -hmm. Like if you think about the whole the whole stereotype of that, like white reefer bro in college, that person is never going to jail for that. But if you think about like a black person being caught possessed with marijuana, they're probably going to go to jail for that. So even within the same class quality of substances how people are penalized for having access to them is wildly wildly um different which is why it's such a you know when i stumbled across the parting scene it was like so strange to me at first because you because everybody that almost everyone that i've encountered so far is of a comfortable or like ultra comfortable um uh, economic class 
and the access that we have is basically like not unlimited but there's like not really a restriction i have not heard of anyone being penalized severely Mm -hmm. in any way or even potentially caught so it's kind of just like there's this hidden permissibility like you're protected if you have a certain amount of influence yes monetarily and then if you don't you're kind of just like screwed yes yeah yeah i mean there's so many things to unpack there i feel like when it comes to the substances that we are using the ones that have like more psychedelic um type properties Mm -hmm. i think there's even like another level which is that they cost more they cost more but also it's not desirable it's not being like marketed you know word of mouth wise to um socioeconomic classes that are like on the lower end Mm -hmm. because it's not the kind of stuff that like gets you to i mean i'll give you a high but it's not necessarily known for being like a great high every time um which is often the reason that people will do some of those like worse drugs like heroin or whatever is because you're just like you know that you're gonna get like out of your mind and like out of your current situation Mm -hmm. um psychedelics have the potential of giving you a really good time or like a really bad time depending on where your mindset's at Uh um so i don't think i'm not even sure like people on the lower you know poorer people essentially Uh are aware of psychedelics or want psychedelics to begin with that's a really you know that's a really interesting question and i wish that we could talk to somebody who had that experience but like i remember i had a conversation with my my ex-barber the barber that i was <laughs> at the time um and he's he was pretty young he's like 21 22 uh-huh. and he would talk to me all about this all all the time about like smoking marijuana blah 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 and i would tell him like i would go out and party and all that stuff and he's like, oh, yeah, I could never do that stuff. It's, like, so scary. I feel like I would be turned into somebody else. So I feel like even amongst people who are more, like, I can't say, like, Brave Barber's, like, working class, but it's a more, like, menial job, right? And so even among those people, I wonder if they, uh, that class of people, like, I wonder if even if they think of those drugs as something dangerous. Like, because they're because of the negativity associated with it and then like also whenever there's like a high profile incident related to drugs it's always like something that's something related to that like ecstasy or molly or something something like that where it's really visible for people and then like scares them off so i don't even know if they would be interested yeah as you mentioned i think there's a lot of misconception around Mm -hmm. these types of substances oftentimes when there is like a negative high profile thing it's not just with that substance it's like Mm. it was cut with something else or like yeah because i mean ecstasy is a different thing because mdma is a chemical you know chemically created thing versus like psilocybin psilocybin or i never know how to pronounce it but anyways like mushrooms ayahuasca for example are from mother earth (laughs) it's from the planet Mm -hmm. with like no artificial stuff done to it so you actually at least for those drugs you cannot overdose it's impossible to overdose actually Mm -hmm. you can have a really high dose and have like a really deep trip but you Mm -hmm. can't die from it you can't Mm -hmm. like it's impossible actually Mm -hmm. so if something bad happens like the the bad shit you always hear is like someone killed themselves after they like did ayahuasca or whatever right that's because they were 
mentally unstable going mm-hmm. into it mm-hmm. and actually unlike nine perfect strangers before you do these types of substances for therapeutic purposes because that's when you're doing like super high doses um you get screened hardcore yeah. hardcore like yeah. i got screened prior to arriving um you know like weeks before yeah. then i got there i'm already fucking there right and they're like we need to talk to each person for like 30 more minutes this is the peru trip yeah the peru trip and they ask you all about like your past history and like what trauma you may or may not be bringing in have Mm. you had suicidal thoughts like because all this stuff it it doesn't necessarily kick you out Mm. but like if you do have that history they have to take extra care because you can react and stay exactly it's honestly the stuff is like it's kind of like surgery on your mind right not your brain like your mind and your spirit and so if that's fucked up in a way that like can turn really negative Mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed versus like just like free for all kind of thing and that is where chaos could happen but like I would guess that the people who hear like really bad things mm. is because they hear it from like a friend mm. or a friend, a friend, a friend who've done it out of the wrong context altogether yeah. or mixed a cut with something else that uh-huh. makes it like impure. And then they're not in the right mindset when they take it. So then they have a shit, shitty experience. And then they tell everyone they know, don't ever do this thing. Right. Mm. As opposed to anyone who's ever done it for a therapeutic purpose has heard the phrase set and setting yeah so you have to have the right mindset and you have to have the right setting the environment that you take it in and if either of those things are off you are fucked so if someone was like i'm just gonna take shrooms and they're like in a chaotic environment Mm -hmm. they have like no you know mental emotional preparation to like dig deep Mm -hmm. they're gonna have a bad fucking time yeah yeah Yeah, I think that really... So there's this trope, I think, from the 60s uh, to keep people away from doing acid because that was a big thing. And it was like, girl took acid and like jumped out the second story window or something like that of her house. And it's just so funny because like... That's just like generally not the experience. Like thinking about being on acid and then doing something like that seems so much that you would never Mm -hmm. like if you've done acid you'd be like i would never (laughs) never do that um so there's definitely a lot of like i think fear mongering around that and then like to your point like with a lot of the psychedelics like you can't overdose really and those drugs don't directly cause like they don't cause you bodily harm like you're not gonna somehow like your heart's not gonna stop like you're not gonna feel where where you you can cause harm as you mentioned is like you can if you take a lot of psychedelics you can be you can have temporary psychosis like temporarily out of your mind and especially if you already have uh, mental illness or you're already using some other uh, um, prescription substances yes. or stuff it can really fuck around with you like uh, in Nine Perfect Strangers yes. Carmel she went crazy like so there's this character um, who was on. Uh, what was it called? Psychotropics or something. So it was antipsychotic medications, and they put her on the the like um, cocktail of like mushrooms and acid, and she just went like nuts. Yeah. And like uh, was a little, a little. That's a no no. Yeah. That's a huge no no. That is also one of the harm reduction things: is to make sure whatever you're taking is not a contra contraindicated by something else that you're already on. So. 
For example, if you are on SSRIs or MAOIs for depression, you can't really do Molly. Like it won't really do anything for you. And in fact, like it could be potentially harmful if you're com combining the things. So it's always really important to um, verify that you're not doing anything that's dangerous together. I've never had to question the source of mm -hmm. the substance that I'm taking. And the people I'm working with always have screeners. Like we were just talking about, like, are you on other drugs, mm -hmm. um, med medicines, you know, prescribed medicines or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. They always ask you, like, what else have you taken, taken. or what do you take daily? Like that yeah. kind of stuff, because they, they would definitely, f you know, raise flags or like cancel whatever you had planned if it is going to negatively combine in a way that no one wants, mm -hmm. right? I will say something that is, um, so, like, one random tangent and one thing that was coming off of that is that, like, I do think that a lot of people are really, like, a little bit too trustful of their sources. Mm. And this is, like, um, demonstrated by recently the cocaine that's been sold in New York City. A lot of it's been laced with fentanyl. And, like, a lot of people in the gay community have been like messaging people be like do not like buy the stuff off the streets like without testing it because it could have fentanyl in it and one of the things that i've noticed is that most people kind of just like take the word of whoever they're buying the substances from like the whole word of mouth thing as is um as like the stuff is safe but the thing is that your dealer can get whatever they're getting from a number of different sources and that source could change or they could get a batch that's not great so one of the things that's also really important that i don't think many people do is to buy your own testing kits like a reagent kit so you can test all your substances it doesn't tell you like the density of the material that you have so like if you get a pill or something it won't tell you like this is like 100% of that or like 80% of that but at least you can see based off of the reactions whether or not it is at least the class of substance that you intended mm -hmm. to buy versus something completely different and whenever I have stuff I always test it because you never know where it's coming from like what's touched it like who's been involved in the production of it so it's also something that's very I think from harm reduction perspective like really important to do to make sure you're not um, just another safety to make sure you're ingesting like what you think you thought you got. The intention of how people access drugs really affects their relationship to it. And I think no matter which socioeconomic class you're in, if you're in a bad place and you're reaching out to drugs as a way to patch a problem in your life, it's going to become a problem yes. within your life. And I think that what it hap what what it do tends to do is exa exacerbates problems in people's lives where they already have a lot of problems and that tends to be people who have less means right and they're using these substances as a way to escape their yes. re current reality and so i also think that it's it, it inherently is a little bit unfair because like we're we're using it to 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 do things like achieve self-actualization or like find inner truths or like just enhance our daily fun and for some people like it's something that they're using to plug like problems in yes. their lives and um i and i do think that that is what causes some of the some of the attribution of drugs is like something really bad because 
people only think about it like that where it's like oh i'm using it to like escape some facet of my life that i really dislike or like cannot change um but it doesn't have have to be like that like your relationship with drugs can be positive just like your relationship with any people like your relationship with any person can be really great or really bad depending on your intention and like how you feel towards that relationship yes yeah absolutely yeah the the using it as a form of escape versus to find inner truths and whatever Mm. i i completely echo that and i think that also goes back to why people who have heard of bad trips say that and like uh, have a you know visceral like antagonism towards Mm. psychedelic type drugs yeah is because it's a completely opposite way of how they've thought of using drugs. Because Mm -hmm. even marijuana, which is legal and has good things for sure, is a dissociative. So Mm -hmm. it is to help you kind of like disconnect from your everyday life, Mm -hmm. although not in as harmful of a way as like Mm -hmm. meth and other shit like that, Mm -hmm. Um, versus psychedelics is completely turning inward mm-hmm. um and you cannot escape yourself during yeah. that experience so it is very scary if you're not ready to turn inward which yeah. a lot of people aren't yeah. ready to or if you're feeling destructive about your yes. life. i mean like if you if you go into any substance trying to use it to be destructive like to your life to yourself to anyone else that's what it's gonna do like if you drink destructively it'll destroy your life if you smoke destructively it'll destroy your life if you use psychedelics destructively i'm sure it'll destroy your life like because you're gonna be you're just gonna be forcing yourself into all those terrible things those intentions that you came into doing the substance with and so i think that that is a huge um a huge like a different way of thinking uh, thinking about it then i think most people think about it because most people think drugs bad but it's not the drugs themselves necessarily they're bad but how people want their relationship to be with the drugs because you could have a positive relationship with substances and then the last thing i want to say about accessibility is kind of like crystal balling i think we do this quite frequently but i i personally have had so many great insights and benefits to having psychedelic experiences from like a therapeutic setting and as we talked about it is changing like there are clinical studies happening now and i don't know if you've seen but there's actually like um i've been getting served ads which is like indicative of who they think their target audience (laughs) is but um i've been getting served ads where um there's like a uh, you can get like a virtual therapist essentially uh-huh. to prescribe you ketamine and okay. to facilitate ketamine induced sessions with you. Mm. Um, and it's legal obviously because they're advertising it on like Facebook and Instagram. Um, and so I think it's, you know, location based. It was probably like based on where I was mm-hmm. viewing um, the platform at the time, but it's rolling out that it's like being, you know, more accessible Mm -hmm. although it's still incredibly expensive and so i wanted to talk about like if you think and if you think yes when you think this type of access from like a therapeutic standing is going to become more accessible to your everyday person because i constantly think about how lucky i am that i have that kind of access that most people do not i want to say never i mean like Never say never, but 
we've talked about mental health in the past and generally speaking while it's become a much more popular topic and less stigmatized in the american public from the medical coverage perspective sure it is still probably like if i look at my my health insurance plans it's probably the weakest and least covered thing that i have in there um mental health mental health yeah because and and i want to make a distinction between um preventative health as we've talked about which is like therapy um working through your emotions before they come to a head and uh, reparative health, which is like psychiatry coverage. Like uh, psychiatric coverage, I think is covered really well. But that's like when you, that's like you know, I I think we both agree. Uh, like I think you're definitely you're more like Eastern medicine <laughs> focus, and like we both believe in some of those things. But where we align is that I don't agree necessarily. Like if you're depressed, the right answer is to go to a psychiatrist and get antidepressants. Yes, right away. I agree. It is a solution. But it's not the only solution. Yes. And for me, it's like if you could solve a problem without medication, it's probably safer to do it mm-hmm. that way. You know, you never know like how long term medication will affect you. Um, and it, I think it's very telling to see that the system will support payments towards fixing the problem, but not towards preventing the problem. And I think that's the main problem right now is that therapy and these kinds of treatments aren't seen as preventative uh, things that could impact your physical health and so they're not covered and so if we're talking about us who are working in like you know high-tech jobs with relatively good insurance like the fact that we don't have that coverage means that most people won't and like even for me when I'm trying to find therapists impossible to find it in, in in network therapist and it's because the insurance pays them so little for their services. So they're like, fuck it, we're not going to take the insurance. You're going to pay me the full the full session fee. Um, and so for me, I think it will be really, really difficult for everyone, for, for me to envision a situation where everyone will have access to some kind of advanced preventative therapy like that when they can't even get access to basic yeah. preventative mental health stuff. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um Wow, yeah, our health insurance system is it sucks. completely broken. Completely broken. And when you said, like, to fix a problem rather than prevent it, they don't even fix the problem. It's a patchwork thing. Yeah, I right? mean, well, you know, you fix it because Band-Aid. you fix the, the symptoms of it. Yes. But you don't treat the underlying problem. Yes, yeah. exactly. I think I agree with you from a health insurance standpoint of, mm. like, getting things covered. I hope that, like, access in terms of, like, how you have the option to go see a therapist and pay full Mm -hmm. out-of-pocket, I think that kind of access, I hope, will exist. Um, If someone, if anyone is willing to pay totally out-of-pocket, they could get access to, like, a psychedelic therapeutic treatment, Mm -hmm. hopefully in the next 50 years, is what I hope. Because right now, it's, like, very few and far between that you could even get that access if you wanted to pay for it. But that doesn't mean it's fair yet either if it still costs, like, I don't know, 200 plus a session or whatever. That's incredibly inaccessible to most people. But at least I would hope that the first step being that it's, like, coverage-wise of, like, available around the country, I hope 
in the next like 50 years. That anyone can, anyone can access yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So we're going to transition over into the fortune cookie section of the pod because we always like to end on a sweet treat. And I guess we should pick one thing to evangelize and what we think it's, why we think it would be good for the world. You mean one substance? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll go first. I haven't tried all the substances, <laughs> but I have sampled different ones. Um, I would say probably what's the easiest and most accessible and what will bring like quick joy to people's lives is probably MDMA. Like it, I, I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who took MDMA and didn't have a good time and di- like didn't love being in that experience. Of course, like, I've talked to people who are like, okay, I did, and then I have, like, Suicide Tuesdays afterwards. Oh, is, God. It's like when you come down from all the serotonin you feel, and you just yeah. feel that. Um, but for the most part, everybody I've talked to has been, like, great. And um, for me, it definitely made me open my heart a little bit more. And I, and it's it's very common with the substances that, like, it doesn't last forever, right? Because then your, your daily life kind of, like, sucks that feeling out of you. But it does give you, like, a little bit of, like, internal energy and love for a good amount of time. And um, it's pretty risk-free if you don't have any heart conditions. So I would say, like, I think it would bring the biggest benefit to people around the world. Because what I feel is the biggest problem with people around the world is, like, lack of love and empathy towards others. And this is something that can really open that up in, in everybody so that you can like better connect to other people. Lovely. I know, right? I just want everyone to do Molly and have fun. <laughs> uh, well, I completely agree with you. MDMA has a very fond place in my heart mm-hmm. in terms of the therapeutic sessions that I've had. It's one of my favorites that I've had as well because it is completely love-based and it is so easy to, like like you said, it's like the easiest entry point, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you shouldn't have any fear that you're going to have a bad trip because yeah. you're not going to have a bad trip. Yeah. You're only going to be super positive and like feel completely accepted. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you, but I guess I have to say something different so that we have variety in what we're saying. Um, you know, on the complete flip side, I will say ayahuasca because... Okay. It's not as accessible um, for many reasons, and in some ways it is. So actually, we didn't tap into this, but one of the things I find a little ironic in terms of like the accessibility factor is like uh, things like ayahuasca and mushrooms come from very ancient like rituals mm-hmm. from like tr- indigenous people mm-hmm. that have been around for forever. And so these substances traditionally have only been accessible to like local people from those areas. Mm-hmm. And they're not rich people. It's just like, you know, the like sham, they're shaman in these tribes. And mm-hmm. then they facilitate for like the rest of the tribe kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so um, from that respect, it's like hyper accessible <laughs> to if yeah. you are from like the Amazonian air- area or like Mexico is where a lot of the mushroom um, rituals first came from. Um, you know, anyways, off track, but, um, ayahuasca, I think is, would have the, one of the biggest benefits for people if they were willing 
to accept it mm-hmm. because it is one of the hardest substances for people to say like yeah i'm gonna go in because even if you have like a positive um hope for what you'll get out of uh psychedelics ayahuasca has this reputation as being like truly jumping into the deep end Mm -hmm. and it is (laughs) um but that is because it also has the potential to pull out like the biggest insights and Mm -hmm. to help you work through the biggest traumas Mm -hmm. that you have and we're going into woo woo territory completely here but also if you are kind of like open to that, that aspect ayahuasca is the one that you will feel the most connected to like mother earth Mm -hmm. and the like oneness of everything every living thing Mm -hmm. um psilocybin you know mushrooms has similar properties they're both psychedelics dmt is still like the same active base of both but each one has like a different kind of personality attached to it you Mm -hmm. will feel it uh mushrooms are kind of like fucking rascals over here like they will kind of like fuck with you a little bit like you will feel like there's some like person like the character in here like fucking with my (laughs) my thoughts over here and they're like they're little you know rascals really they're kind of like they're trying to like exert power and like um be entertained a little bit there's themselves versus like ayahuasca the spirit of the drug has always been referred to as like mother ayahuasca uh-huh. And it's almost like Mother Mother Earth as well, right? So mm-hmm. there's this like maternal figure that is wanting you to have these breakthroughs and to help like embrace you to t- get these things off your chest. Mm-hmm. And so it will take you to like the deepest fucking corners of your traumas, but you will come out, you know, completely just like with insights that you couldn't have gotten to otherwise i mm. think mdma i definitely got through many insights as well but it just wasn't as it's not as deep because you also don't like suffer as much yeah. um you don't suffer at all with mdma it's not there's no work involved but there's I no think work the key yeah. part of what you're saying is there's work involved. so much work yeah so much work yeah. but the reward is worth it yeah um, and that's why every year, you know, um, places like Peru and other countries along the Amazon that have access to ayahuasca, that is one of their main tourism like mm. channels is people wanting to do psychedelic uh, retreats there yeah. because there is this draw to like, you know, it, I think some people go to it because they're so desperate, like maybe they have tried like a, years of therapy and like pharma drugs and nothing has worked or they're just like more spiritual and like open to that stuff but like those who are ready to jump into the deep end and then what they get out of it is just like you can't compare so i if people had like the openness and willingness to try ayahuasca i would say it it'll change your life and you will not be addicted because i think like we said all those like bad drugs it's because addiction is also like a major factor of those, right? You're trying to, you're using it to escape and then you get addicted to that thing. Mm-hmm. Ayahuasca and psychedelics, you will not get addicted because there's so much work yeah. involved emotionally, mentally, that you're going to be wrecked afterwards. You're like, you're going to be spent from like an emotional yeah. standpoint. And you're like, I need 10 years away from this <laughs> thing. So, but like the insights you get will, will, span you know those 10 years and like be worth it so 
yeah, if people were willing to. I mean, I've never done ayahuasca, but I can definitely corroborate that like psychedelics is work. Like it takes a lot to process what your brain is doing and it's not it's fun but it's not something that you want to do like all the time like like skydiving <laughs> it's fun to do like once every year a couple of years but you're not gonna do it like every day and it's a thrill but you're not gonna do it every day yeah yeah and some people might those well, adrenaline that, junkies that's different that's a whole other addiction that's but. the case for anything <laughs> some people might do anything all the time well, I swear to God, you will not do ayahuasca every day there's, if you have. I'm sure there's somebody who's like microdosing ayahuasca all the time. <laughs> uh, okay, more power, to, more power to you, person know. out there. <laughs> I don't know. Well, listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, if you have something to tell us about your own personal feelings about substances, your own experiences, or you just have some questions about how uh, our own experiences went. Please feel free to write us in at tell us where you're from at gmail.com. The year is Y-O-U-R-E. Yep. And come back next week because we'll have another fresh episode for you then. And until then, Zai Jian, bitches. bitches.